Our call to worship this morning is Luke 6, 46 through 49. It's uh, page 952 in your pew Bible. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? As, as for those who come to find me and hear my words and, and put them into practice, I will show you what they are like. They are like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on a rock. When, a, when the flood came, the torrent struck the house, but could not shake it because it was well built. But those who hear my words and do not put them into practice are like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. The moment the torrent struck, uh, that uh, the, the moment that torrent struck that house, it collapsed and its destruction was complete. Today's Old Testament reading is in Leviticus 13, one through three. It is page 102 in the P Bibles. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, when anyone has a swelling or a rash or a shiny spot on their skin that may be a defiling skin disease, they must be brought to Aaron, the priest, or to one of his sons, who is a priest. The priest is to examine the sore on the skin, and if the hair in, in the sore has turned white, and the sore appears to be more than skin deep, it is a defiling skin disease. When the priest examines them, he shall pronounce them ceremonially unclean. Today's gospel reading is found in Luke 17, 11 through 17, which is found on page 966 and 967 in your pew Bibles. Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, 10 men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, go show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus's feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, were not all 10 cleansed? Where are the other nine? Now, I noticed that the Leviticus passage didn't get any amens. <laughs> if the hair on the sores turned white, then it's a defiling skin disease. And if it hasn't, then it probably, it's, and then it's more than skin deep. It's a defiling, okay. So we read the law, and none of us said amen. And then we read about a healing in which Jesus brought somebody to wholeness in the context of that law. You see, somebody had noticed something was wrong with them. They had a skin problem, they had a rash, a sore, something. And they went to the priest and it was a defiling sore. And they had to leave the company for a week. And they came back to the priest and it was still there and they had to go away for another week and come back to the priest and it was still there and still a defiling skin disease. They had to be banished from the camp until they could be declared clean. 
And so we find these little companies of what are called lepers in Scripture, and indeed many of them had the disease we would call leprosy, and they, they, they lived on their own, out away from the rest of the population according to Moses' law, to which none of you said amen. And Jesus is journeying, and these ten men call to him. They don't come to him. They have to keep a certain distance from him. You've heard this preached about many times. They had to keep a certain distance from him. And Jesus allows them closer. The gap is closed. And he says, go show yourself to the priest. Referencing Leviticus, of course. Now, I don't know about you, but if I've gone to see a doctor for a back problem and he just says, go sign up for the marathon, you're fine, I'm going to probably be pretty irritated. No examination, no x-rays, no MRIs, no CAT scans. I've got radiating pain down my leg. Uh, I've come in because my back has hurt for a while. He hasn't palpated anything. He hasn't adjusted anything. Nothing's happened. He hasn't even given me any, any powerful medication to kill the pain. And the doctor says, go run a marathon. I would be pretty upset. Jesus hasn't done anything. He hasn't said, you're well. He hasn't said... So tell me about your belief system. Do you think I can heal you? He hasn't said anything to them. Hasn't, hasn't touched them. Hasn't made a poultice. He hasn't done anything for them. No declarations. No incantations. Nothing recorded anyway. Go show yourself to the priest. They went. They went. No complaints. No, but wait a minute. What, what is this? Nothing. They went. And as they went, they noticed something. Like Naaman, who dipped himself in the river many years before. Once. Twice. About seven, he noticed that he was doing pretty good. Healed. He did what he was asked to do with the encouragement of a servant who said, what the prophet has asked of you is not too much. It's not difficult. Yeah, it's a smelly old river. Deal with it. What do you come all this way? What are you going to do? Turn around and haul it all back? Give it a try. And the lepers don't even say, wait a minute. Um, do you need my insurance card? They just head to the priest. And in the process of going to the priest, they look and they are healed. A pretty wonderful piece. The very act of going to the priest was an act of faith and belief. Jesus didn't have to ask them how powerful their faith was. He didn't have to ask them what their doctrinal setup was. He didn't have to ask them if they had followed all of the Leviticus, Leviticus precepts that led up to the situation they were in. He just said, go. Go. Show yourself to the priest. And the act 
of obedience and going brought healing. One comes back. I don't know that the passage is so much about the angle I'm going to give you, but the, the, the punch, the sucker punch in the passages, and one of them was a Samaritan, and he came back. Jews and Samaritans together because their disease made them all unclean. But now the one who comes back to say, thank you, Jesus, is not a Jew. The gratitude comes from the Samaritan. And that's the sucker punch of the passage. That's being written to people who have failed to see who Jesus was and appreciate who he was the way Luke would like them to see him. They went and showed themselves to the priest and they were declared clean, whole. They were able to join their families. They were well. Do you think they kept that quiet? How many of you think they kept that quiet? Do you think the priest kept it quiet? How was your day today, honey? Oh, nothing happened. I doubt that's what he said when he got home. He says, you're not going to believe it. Ten people who had leprosy came through today and they were all cleansed. I asked them what they had happened and they said nothing. They had met Jesus who just told them to come to me. Can you believe that? I'm making it up. That dialogue is not in scripture. I'm trying to exercise that childhood imagination thing that we heard about in our story. The point is that there was no way this kept quiet. Every family affected by this would have heard the story. They would have gotten it out of their loved ones somehow. Who did you run into? How did it happen? Where was it? What did he say exactly? At what time was it? What did you do? What? You didn't go back and say thank you? Ugh. Don't you wish you had of? Maybe we'll run into him. Well, ten people. There was something they had to show and something they had to tell. And it went together. What is it that you have to show and what is it that you have to tell? Remember that? Daddy, can I bring your gun to show and tell at school today? I know that wouldn't work out too well. We all wanted to show something at school, right? Something cool, something the other kids weren't going to bring. Yeah. What is it that connects the two? You have something that you want people to see or you've experienced something you want them to hear. And there's a connection between that. So in this context, as we've been talking about telling the story of Jesus, as we've been talking about the way in which we are the story, the embodiment of it in our characters, the way we tell a story in order to get the attention of the hearer, in order to connect to their emotions, and most importantly, for them to know that we're telling the truth in their hearts, to have a sense in their heart of the veracity and the meaning of what it is that we're sharing. And finally, the logic and truth of the piece itself. But that isn't going to, as good as all of those pieces are, I don't know they're going to move us to any kind of action. Where we live is in show and tell. Where we live is in experience and sharing the experience. 
Jesus said people who listened to his word and did what he asked them to do were likened to builders who dug a foundation until they got down to rock and built on that rock foundation their home. And when the waters and floods and storms came, the house was secure. Jesus said people who listened to him but did not do, did not follow, did not implement what it was he asked, were like people who couldn't be bothered, who found it much easier to scoop a few shovelfuls of sand out of the way and lay their house out there. But when the rains came and the floodwaters came, the house would be washed away and destroyed completely. And of course, everybody hearing the story says, I want to live in the house that stays firm. But we don't always build for it. We don't always want to do what we're told to do. We don't always want to implement. We don't always want to be told and show. Be told and do. Imagine what would have happened if those ten lepers had said, I'm not going. I have the disease. I know I have the disease. The priest knows I have the disease. Don't waste my time. Would we have the story in Scripture today? Would, would Dr. Luke have included this for us? I don't think so. Maybe if five of the ten had done it. What would happen if nine of the ten had gone, but one had just said, no, nah, this isn't for me? You think he would have regretted that? Would have, would have gone in his lack of faith to his own death, wouldn't he have? It's not a hard thing that I'm trying to help you connect. It's a hard thing to live. That is that we have an experience of life in which we have moments of connection to something divine. We have experiences in prayer in which we come to an encounter with the living God. We have moments of transcendence in our experience and what we observe. We have new insights sometimes as we're listening to someone speak or we're reading something new. We have a journey. We have times we can look back on in our lives when we can see clearly God's leading. We have experiences in which we, have, we can honestly say we're lucky to be alive and that it had to be God's protection, our guardian angel, however you want to frame that. I have those stories. My parents have three acres of lawn and there's an old homestead there. And in the middle of the homestead was a spring. And so the earth around the homestead, these rocks piled up for the foundation that were left from the 1800s, kept reasonably moist. And one day I was trying to get the garden tractor to go up the little patch of earth beside that that was rather steep. We, we did this routinely as we mowed. The tractor had chains and everything, but it wasn't gripping. It wasn't getting up this slick next to the homestead. 
And the brake wasn't working particularly well. The brake clutch, if you've ever driven one of those tractors, wasn't holding particularly well. And I, I was 11 or 12, and I remember the tractor starting to roll backward. And I couldn't do anything about it. And as the tractor rolled backward, it fell down off of the edge of the homestead. It's about a five-foot drop and flipped over on its back. I wasn't anywhere near the tractor. I was pulled up out of my seat and standing next to the tractor with it upside down next to me. Never hit the ground, just my feet. I couldn't have leaped off of it. I don't know what happened. I've always thought that was my guardian angel. It was pretty cool, actually. <laughs> Saved me on a lot of occasions. I've been stupid sometimes in life. <laughs> pretty stupid. He knows. He'll tell you. She. I. But pretty, pretty cool guardian angel that I have. What is your story? Where can you look and see the movement in God, of God in your life? And how do you share that? And how do you translate that into the kind of faith that says, when you hear the voice saying, go show yourself to the priest or go dip yourself in the river, here's how I'm going to heal you, you're going to do. How do you do? How do you find the faith to just move and just do? So that your life isn't just about words that are empty or just about deeds that are good but no one will ever connect to the living God. But somehow you're bringing a life connected to the living God and a word of testimony about the power of the living God together into something that translates into what we would call witness. How does that happen? It will be as unique as each of you are. I can't do it for you. I can only say, go. Go. Share a story. Think about it first. Try not to pick one that's too incredible as in not credible. Or something that somebody won't really relate to. You don't have to force the conversation. But what is your experience of the divine that in some little way you can share with someone when the opportunity presents itself? Because, see, like going and showing yourself to the priest, the more you journey, the more healed you become. That is to say, the more you do this, the more opportunity will come. You'll see it all the time. Part of the reason I knew that I needed to become a pastor was not because I had a flash from heaven, but because people in college, my classmates and friends, would come to me and say, what do I do about this? What do you think about that? I wasn't, it wasn't because I was wise necessarily. It was because I was willing to listen and process and journey with them and counsel and, and say, well, this is what I know about God. And they would say, you know, you need to be a pastor. And I would laugh. Yeah, right. Nobody wants to marry a pastor. They don't make any money. Uh, anyway, so in college, it really wasn't... wasn't uh, wasn't sure about that. But that's how it sort of got shaped in part and where it went. Was willing to share something out of what I was experiencing living, even if it was dark and unhappy and deep. 
What is your story? Where are you going to go? What kind of house are you going to build? And when it comes to this house that we share collectively, when it comes to this place, when it comes to God's invitation to you, let's see, He made you, He redeemed you, He's called you His own. He's invited you into His presence. He's equipped you and blessed you. He said, I want to be, you to be with me now and forever. He said, you're the body, I'm the head. He said, you're the bride, I'm the groom. He said, you're the church. So now that you're the church, now that all these things are part of your experience, what's your story? Are you an owner? Or are you an employee? Is this just a place you show up to punch your card for worship credit? Is this just a place you show up to say, okay, I did my one hour of religious, religious thing this week. I'm good. I'm good. Got my fix. Is this a place where you perform a task because you feel so guilty if you don't? Or is this a place of belonging and calling and ownership? Is this your church? I can't hear you. Yes. I still, it's so, I'm really concerned. Is this your church? Yes. Oh, I'm still, still. This side, this side owns it, maybe. <laughs> Are you really going to let them own it? Is this your church? Yes. Better. Better. If this is your church and God is your God and he's given you a story and he wants you to show and tell, he wants you to live it, walk it, and speak it, can you do that? Yes. Will he equip you? Yes. Will he who called you equip you? Yes. Oh, I can't hear you. Yes. Thank you, Pat. <laughs> Pat, I give you... Blessing, you're, you're gonna, it's, it's good. Not even a priest, and I just, wow, that was, that, was, that was worth a blessing right there. Be an owner. Don't just be an employee. Don't just show up and say, eh, it's somebody else's problem. This is your church. This is your faith. This is your healing. This is your calling. This is your story. This is your journey with God. This is your task. This is your service. This is your testimony. This is your message. Be the church. Build it on rock. Build it on rock. What am I doing wrong here, Lee? How do I get an amen out of this? Build it on rock. Thank you. I don't have much more to say. Not today anyway. Not today anyway. But I want to bless you. I want to thank you. I want to encourage you. I want to tell you there is nobody in this universe like you. No one. 
There are only two fingerprints that are alike in the entire universe. This is a Calvin Miller thing. Guess whose they are? God the Father and God the Son. Only two fingerprints alike in the universe. The rest of us are all different. So let's be the story. Let's live the story. Let's tell the story. Let's be the church. And so God, may your greatness lived out in the life of Christ, lived out in our lives, be our story. Amen.